When it comes to an effective prayer life, where do you turn for a good example? Here's a thought from Pastor Ed Taylor. We need to look at the men and the women in the scriptures that had strong prayer lives and glean from their lives what it is that makes for a strong prayer life in our lives. Because it's easy for us to have in our mind what it should be. I don't think any of us here would not mentally assent and agree with that prayer is important. I think we do. I don't think anyone here would say, well, I don't think prayer is that big a deal. No, I think you would all say, I believe prayer is important. But where does it go from, oh, I believe it's prayer is important to a passionate, vibrant prayer life? This is amazing grace. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we return to Pastor Ed's series through Romans. We're still in the beginning stages, and we will once again be in chapter 1. Today's message is all about one of the most important parts of our relationship with God. Prayer, communication with God is vital if we're going to grow in our relationship with Him. Makes sense, doesn't it? When you want to know someone better, you communicate with them. And so it is with God. Paul has some very good words to share with us on the topic of prayer in Romans chapter 1. Here's Pastor Ed. Take your Bibles, open them to Romans chapter 1. As we continue on looking at Romans, growing in God's grace, allowing His Holy Spirit to teach us and to guard us and to guide us. Today we look at Paul's prayer. And I believe today God's going to give us a prayer tune-up, if you will. I think if we speak of all of our prayer lives, we could all use a tune-up, amen? I mean, because when you start talking about prayer, it's very convicting. Because most of us probably don't have the kind of prayer life that we really want. Some of us are really gelling in prayer and, and just have that connection with the Lord. But so often, the voices of this world, the issues in our life work and family and finances and, and, and everything about this just cloud our hearts and our minds from prayer. So many things are in our mind, but how do they get to our heart? For instance, in our church, we're so passionate about seeing people come to know Jesus Christ. It's win, disciple, and send. But I'll tell you, if you're not careful, those are just words you throw out. Oh, we know what we're about, Ed. We're win, disciple, send, and, you know, that's our vision statement. That's our theme and those are just words on on shirts and words on pens and we just use them you throw them out so how does it get from the mind to the heart how do you become a how do you develop a heart that wants to win the loss where your heart breaks when other people's heart breaks so your heart breaks when you you know people they know about Jesus but they just don't care well I believe it moves from the heart from the head to the heart by prayer you think if some of you are praying for a son or a daughter that have walked away from Jesus. I mean, you know they should be back and you want them to be back, but it so frustrates you at times and you're just not sure. What, how does it become apart from the mind, oh God, I want them back to, oh God, I want them back. Prayer. A life of prayer. Maybe you have a job today and you don't like your job. 
You're like, amen, all right, my job. And you just don't like it. You know God has you there. You know God wants you there. But you don't wake up in the morning going, I want to go to my job. I want to win the loss. You're more like, oh, man, is it Monday again? You're the one that looks at your alarm clock and checks the calendar. Is it really Monday? Yes, it's Monday. And you know you need to work. And you know God's blessed you with that job. And you know that you have people around you that have been laid off and they're struggling right now. And here you are with a job, but you really don't like the job. But you know you need to go to the job. And it's in your head. You know you get up, you go to work because i got to provide how does that become an area from your head to your heart where you go, oh, Lord, I know you put me here because you want me here because you surround me with people that need to hear of you and you're going to use me to reach them. How does it go from the head to the heart but by prayer? And so in light of that, you understand why at times we need a tune-up in our prayer life. We need to look at the men and the women in the scriptures that had strong prayer lives and glean from their lives what it is that makes for a strong prayer life in our lives, because it's easy for us to have in our mind what it should be. I don't think any of us here would not mentally assent and agree with that prayer is important. I think we do. I don't think anyone here would say, well, I don't think prayer is that big a deal. No, I think you would all say, I believe prayer is important. But where does it go from, oh, I believe it's prayer is important to a passionate, vibrant prayer life? Well, I see in the scriptures here today in Romans chapter 1 some insights that will help our prayer life. And in your prayer life, who do you pray for? Are you praying for some friends today? Maybe brought them to church to hear the word, to hear the love of Jesus? Are you praying for family members? There are a couple people at work that you just, you've been eyeing and you know that what's going on in their life, they just really need a tangible touch of Jesus in their life. Are you praying for salvation? Are you praying for a changed heart? Or are you just settled with where your heart is right now? You know, I'm just going to, I have a right to feel this way. Or are you praying for yourself? Because the way I read the scriptures, when you and I gave our lives to Jesus Christ, we gave up our rights. We no longer have rights to stand upon. We are bondservants, aren't we? We have voluntarily given up our rights to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So are you praying for your heart? Are you praying for the world? The world at large, the, the world that hasn't heard the gospel yet, the world that, that maybe as you're praying for a certain area of the world, God's going to stir your heart. And no longer will you just be praying for a certain part of the world. You might be praying about going to that certain part of the world so that God would make you a vessel unto honor. Are you praying for a few enemies today? Praying for a few enemies, Ed. Enemies, we're supposed to pray for our enemies? Well, yeah, that's what Jesus said, isn't it? To pray, bless your enemies, don't curse them. Lift them before the throne room of grace, those that have hurt you, those that might continue to defame you, those that take you down and those that try to take you out, those that might have even been set up in the category of enemies that really aren't your enemies at all. Fellow brother, fellow sister in the Lord. And you think, oh yeah, Pastor Ed, I pray for my enemies. I pray just like you tell me to according to the Psalms for my enemies. Matter of fact, I just prayed Psalm 10 the other day for one of my enemies. Psalm 10, 15 says, break the arm of the wicked <laughs> and the evil man. And then I was so passionate about prayer, I woke up the next day and I prayed Psalm 56, 58 for them. Break their teeth in their mouth, O Lord. Break out the fangs of the young lions. No, 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 no. Uh-uh, that's not going to work. I know David struggled with things, but now in the light of the scriptures, we don't need to go there. We don't need to feed that part of our lives that would destroy and tear down. 
And I really do think that our little tune-up here in our prayer life will be very beneficial and bear great fruit in your life. We'll pick up where we left off, Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 7 with me. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. You didn't know Paul was from Texas, did you? (laughs) You all. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, when I, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests, verse 10, if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. I thank God. You want a powerful, passionate prayer life? The first ingredient, if you want to jot them down, if you're note takers, is to have a thankful heart. Paul says, I thank God. He says right at the outset, first... I thank God. It's a heart of thanksgiving and appreciation for all that the Lord has done, is doing, and will do. He was so thankful, Paul was, for the faith of this church. Because notice in verse 8, he thanks his God because the faith of the church is spoken of throughout the whole known world. The Roman Christians had a reputation, and it was a good one. Let me tell you something. You have a reputation. And I pray it's a good one. I pray that when you're brought up in a conversation, that when your name is thrown out, that you have a good reputation. It's never too late to start rebuilding your reputation. It's never too late to say, you know, Lord, I see this area in my life and it just needs to be taken away. I want to rebuild because a reputation, let me tell you guys, only follows your character. See, if your character doesn't match your reputation, then there's hypocrisy. And so, Lord, Develop in us a Christ-like character so that then what will follow is a good reputation. Let me tell you, you as a church, you guys have a reputation. And I am blessed to say that it is a good reputation. When I am out throughout the city, all over the place, whether it's at Costco or King Supers or all the way across town, it doesn't matter. When the name of our fellowship is brought up, I'm always hearing good things about you. And that's great. Just the ministry that's taking place, not only from within, but from without. This is a church. You guys live out your faith. And that blesses my heart as a pastor. But I'll tell you, it blesses my heart even more as a part of this church. I'm a part of this church as well. And, and, and part of it is for us just to live out our faith. Now, some of you might think from some of the things I share from time to time that my email box is only full of complaints and concerns. I get a few from now and then for sure. But it's not. It's filled with praise and prayer prayer requests and prayer updates. It's filled with thanksgiving for the things that you guys are doing. It's filled with, you know, this person in your church reached out to me. This couple came over to my house and cried with me after we got the diagnosis. This family stepped out when my house burned down. They began to share with us all, not only in a practical way, not only in a spiritual way, all about God, but they lived it out. It fills my email box, the things that you, you guys have a reputation. And like Paul, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith, it's your relationship with Jesus Christ that makes the difference, isn't it? It's not your decision to do good deeds. It's because you love the Lord Jesus Christ and because you love him, you love those around you. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. They had a love for Jesus that was pure 
and powerful. And I hear about you guys all the time, and it is blessing, big time. You guys are known literally all over town, all over the metro area. The reach of this fellowship and the love of this fellowship, when Bibles are given away, this Thursday I shared, this previous Thursday I shared a praise report that came in the mail. I wasn't the most spiritual guy at the time when they handed me the envelope. So they come in and I get my mail and, and they're looking at each mail. We're talking about each piece of mail and, and a, an envelope was handed to me. And I have to say, I was thinking, oh no, who's mad at me now? That was my first thought. And I was just so in the flesh. It should have predicted what would happen this weekend, huh? I was just in the flesh. I open it up, and inside the envelope is a track. So my next thought was, who's sending me a track? <laughs> they think I'm not saved or what? And so I'm still not there. And I'm flipping through the track, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, I, I don't, why, why, is there, why somebody send me a track? Until I turned it over and saw that somebody had given their life to Jesus Christ through that track. And you remember, you remember, don't you? We gave out thousands of tracts, you guys, all of us. We gave out tracts to people on, at the Halloween time. We gave out tracts. They're all available still to continue to get out there. They're out there. Well, this one was very interesting. As Paul's talking about our faith being spoken of throughout the whole world, it was a track from us, we know, because it had our little sticker on it. It had the place where they can mail it back, our website. I know it was from us, but it came from Anaheim, California. I don't know how it got there. But God used it. And you just think, what's this going to happen? What's going to happen with this little piece of paper? What's going to happen when I give this Bible out? What's going to happen when I pull over and help this guy change his tire and tell him about Jesus? What's going to happen when I take a meal over to someone that's really struggling? What's going to happen when I go to the hospital and although I'm going to visit one person, this guy in the, in the room that I'm passing really looks like he needs somebody. So I'm going to go visit the guy that I came, but when I leave, I'm going to go in this other one and I'm going to minister to this family because they might have just gone, you just don't know how the Lord God wants to use you. However, God is using you. And it's exciting. It's exciting to be walking in the spirit and being used by the Lord. Look, people know your reputation and your love here at Calvary Chapel. But I'll also tell you there are people that are looking at us waiting for an excuse not to follow after the Lord. And they want to use our lives as that excuse. They want to say, well, there you are. I've been waiting four years, five years. I've been waiting for an excuse, and finally you've given it to me. So, hey, you know, I don't think I can hang out in that church because look at you. If people like you are there, then I don't know. I want to know. But see, people like me, people like you, highlight the power of God, don't we? Because <laughs> we could turn that around and go, well, God's doing a work in me. And if he can do a work in me, then he can do a work in you. And we don't want to become someone's excuse. If we had a reputation that we were a judgmental fellowship, I can't imagine the evangelism doing all that well. Can you? Hey, I want you to come out to the church. It's a great church. The minute you walk in, we're going to judge you up and down, man. <laughs> I don't see too many people responding to that. You know, if we're a church that's only interested in your money, hey, come on out. Bring your checkbook. Come on out, you know. You know, the church is all about money, and it's all about Jesus, not money. God doesn't need any of our money. He blesses us with stuff. He gives us provision, but I'll tell you right now, God is lasering in, not on your checkbook, but on your heart. Where's your heart today? It wouldn't work really well in the evangelism. We go, hey, 
come on out. We just want your money. We want to judge you. Hey, come on out. We're the best condemning church in town. You've fallen into sin lately? <laughs> and you can have like a card with a big fist on it. <laughs> fist on one hand, a baseball bat on the other. It wouldn't work. If that was our reputation, then God, the, the enemy would use those as excuses to push people away from Jesus because Jesus is neither judgmental, he is neither condemning, he is neither interested in only your finances, he is a, God, a just God who laid his life down so that he might receive you. See, salvation is not what you do for God, but what he's done for you. It's not the church that you were raised in or the good works that you performed. It's not about what you've given to God or what a good person you are. See, here's the thing with being a good person. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be good enough because God says this. Entrance into heaven requires what? Perfection. Any of us perfect? No. And anyone that answered yes, you just blew it. None of us are perfect. We've all fallen short of God's perfection. We've all fallen short in sin. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So then, that makes, that makes us really in a tough spot. Because if God requires perfection in heaven, and I'm not perfect, how do I get there? And God, he so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. God has bridged that gap. And Jesus Christ is perfect, and he laid down a perfect life, and he rose again the third day in perfection so that by faith, by faith in him, he says, you believe in me, you're saved. And if you believe in him, you're saved. Some of you need to receive the Lord Jesus Christ right here. It's not some religion that God is calling you to. It's not some set of works or some set of deeds that God's calling you to. He wants to have a personal, intimate relationship with you. He wants to draw you into himself to show you, to show you that although you're good, and by the way, those of you that are good, thank you for being good. We need more good people in the world, don't we? We need more people that want to do good. We need more people that care about others. How can you not turn on the news and think, oh, where are the good people? How can you not open the newspaper and think, oh, where are the good people? Thank you for being good. But I'll tell you, good's not going to get you into heaven. Because you can never be good enough. And you know that when you lay your head down at the pillow on, at night. You know that. You know that you wrestle with the mistakes that you've made. You know that there's a burden of guilt in your life. And you know when you sum up your life, you come to the conclusion, you know, it's, I, I just don't know if I'm good enough. Well, in Jesus Christ, his perfection can become your perfection. His rightness can become your rightness. And by the time we leave here today, you'll have an opportunity to receive the Lord. Prayer. It's so good. We don't want to be people's excuses. Let's take the excuses away from people. Amen? Let's just take them away and live a life that's pure and holy. Let's live a life of repentance. I'm committed in not being someone's excuse. And even though I have that commitment, I find myself still wrestling with the flesh. I need to walk in the spirit, don't you? I saw those hands earlier. You know what? When you recognize that the times in your life that there is a flesh response. Let me define flesh response. It's simply this for the Christian. An old habit pattern that you fall into apart from the Lord. And so some situations come up, and instead of responding to it spiritually, you respond to it like you were before you were a believer. <laughs> or pretty doggone close. <laughs> and that's the flesh. And it just so bums you out, doesn't it? You go, why did I do that? Because you're in the flesh. 
But if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That, that craving in our natural man that the Bible says is dead. The old man is dead. Behold, all things have become new because you're a new creation. And so what happens when the old man shows up at the door? You say, hey, I reckon the old man dead. That's not me anymore. I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. So powerful prayer. Powerful prayer includes thanksgiving. Number two, notice, in our little spiritual tune-up here in prayer, we also have, number two, pray unceasingly. Have an attitude of prayer that's unceasing, right? He says in verse 8, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. He's so encouraging here, Paul, is to our lives that he had a life that was prayerful without ceasing. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, you can jot it down. Paul simply says to pray without ceasing. And so not only does he say it, he also lives it out. Now, here's the problem with prayer because many of us have been taught to pray in a way that in our minds there might be a battle going on. I don't understand how I can pray unceasingly when the way I was taught to pray, and you know it, maybe it was in Sunday school, maybe you picked it up along the way, but prayer to you often begins this way, doesn't it? Bow your heads. What's next? Close your eyes. And what's next? Fold your hands. Now, that is not a bad way to pray, by the way, especially if you're little Johnny in second grade pulling Sally's pigtails. That's a good thing to teach kids. Kids, close your eyes, put your hands down, fold them, and bow your heads. Not a bad way to pray. But bowing your head and closing your eyes and folding your hands is not going to fly in all 25, is it? Right? That's not going to work. So I'm listening to a Bible study on the way, and the pastor says, okay, let's pray. And you go, okay, ah, that's not going to work. And what has happened over the years, I think, is that we have confused the position of prayer, the position of the body in prayer. Instead of focusing in, we've confused that position of our bodies in prayer instead of the position of the heart, because that's prayer. So if our heart is in the right position, we can pray with our eyes open. If our heart is in the right position, we can pray with our hands lifted up, our hands in our pockets, our hands behind our head. It doesn't matter. If our heart is in the right position, then we can pray with words or without words. You can say a silent prayer. We saw that with Hannah, didn't we? There she was in the temple praying. She was praying, seeking the Lord, but her mouth was moving, but no words were coming out. Was that prayer? Oh, yeah, it was prayer. And so praying unceasingly is simply the attitude of, you know what, Lord, you're in my life. I'm talking to you all day, every day about everything constantly, continually. It doesn't have to begin with dear, and it doesn't have to end with amen necessarily. You can just pray all day, Lord, look what's going on in my life. Jesus, would you help me here? You know, help, help me to, to revive this. And, and it's simply laying the needs before the Lord, regardless of the position of our body. Too often when we pray, we concentrate on ritual instead of substance. God is much more interested in your heart when it comes to prayer. And with that, we'll draw today's Abounding Grace to a close. Today's message from Pastor Ed Taylor is part of our series in Romans. And if you missed any portion of today's message, you can simply go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another convenient way to get these daily studies is by signing up to receive the free Abounding Grace podcast. 
That, too, is available when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app that makes listening to Pastor Ed super easy on your mobile devices. Download the free app today by searching for Calvary Church Aurora. Maybe you've noticed God has always been interested in turning unlikely people into a faithful follower, from prostitutes to tax collectors and even normal everyday fishermen. In the book, Jesus Revolution, Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn recall a time when there was a great spiritual awakening. God transformed an unlikely generation, and Pastor Greg and Ellen believe God can do it again. We'd like to send you a copy of Jesus Revolution for your gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call 877-30-GRACE and we can process your order right away. That's 877-30-GRACE. Here at Abounding Grace, we're continually reminded that God is doing a great work through the radio. I wish you could see all the letters and the emails and calls that we receive testifying of that. If you'd like to help us in our endeavor to get the word out all over the world, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. Simply click on Donate, and you can make a secure donation today. We'll pick up where we left off in Romans tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.